Good morning, everyone. Please join us with number two, Holy, Holy, Holy. call to worship. Good morning. morning. Call to worship this morning, Psalm 97, verses 1 through 9. The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. 
clouds and darkness around about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him and burneth up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened the world. The earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people seek his glory. Confounded be all they that serve graved images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Zion heard and was glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Amen. Now let's continue to worship the Lord, singing number 400, Be Thou My Vision. Amen. That's a great song to sing. You may be seated.
Lord God, we thank you for this day and that we can gather here in your presence this morning. We pray that you would open our hearts and minds and wills up fully to you. Help us to lay aside all distractions and anything that would put up a barrier between us and you. May your spirit flow among us and in each and every one of us. And may we be changed as a result of our worship this morning, that we would be brought closer to you, that we would be more like Jesus, and that we would joyfully serve you all the days of our life. We ask this in the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now, uh, let's see, let's take our bulletin inserts and let's join with David in this prayer of confession. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Amen. And by this time, David had a lot to confess because he had already transgressed with uh, Bathsheba and one of his most faithful soldiers, Uriah. But let us always remember what John put in his first general epistle, one of the last letters he wrote about 80 to 90 AD. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. And we could all be happy if there was a period there, but without even a comma, he says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is able to do above and beyond. Amen. And praise be to God. 
Let's um, continue to worship God by singing number 427, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No, 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 no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. That's what um, the Elijah message is all about, really. And uh, now uh, we're going to have the reading of the scripture for this morning. Scripture reading this morning is 1 Kings chapter 18. This is the first reading, verses 16 through 29. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab. And told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thee he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow me. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, 
and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answered by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was dressed them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal, from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be wakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God.
This is Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 4. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment began shining exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. After that Elijah reading, I don't even know how you got through it. It was so long, but uh, quite a story, and we'll uh, look at it in a little more detail very soon. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Three in one God, you are awesome, and you deserve so much more than we give you. Please, Help us to rise above our ordinary earthbound lives, distracted by so many things, so that we will always be aware of your presence and your wonderful power in our lives. We acknowledge we need you. On a day when so many of our fellow citizens are celebrating independence, we gladly declare we are totally dependent on you. And we celebrate the freedom from sin that all who do depend on you and you alone by total trust in Jesus that we get to experience as an everyday reality. Selah, let us reflect on that. And we do pray for our nation, which is becoming more and more lost every day, especially our leaders and those who are called disenfranchised, who are seemingly locked in a sick embrace. But you know what, God? We're not much better ourselves. So, We pray, first of all, revive us. Revive your church. And then let there be another great awakening of the tens of millions of people with dead spirits in the United States. And we pray for other nations and the people who live in them. And we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are thriving even in persecution and still praying for us to be set free from materialism and consumerism. And we pray for those in our church family. We begin by praying for Ginny that you would overcome her reaction to this new medication. And we pray for Cindy Please continue to be with her, building her up. We pray for Doris and for Allie and her family. We pray for uh, John and Pat and their many children and grandchildren and their large family. We pray for Ray and Nancy and their extended family. We pray for Ray's brother Everett. We pray for Robbie and Colleen. We pray for Christine, 
her brother Stephen and his wife Annie and their family. We pray for her mother Joyce and her sister Lisa. We pray for Ken. We pray for Fran. Peter, Linda, Billy, their mother, and the rest of the family. Father, we pray for Renato, that you would bless him and his family on this day. And we thank you that he's with us digitally. We pray for uh, Joe and his family and Norma and her family and many, many others. We also pray very much for your word in our hearts. This is a startling story that we have today and uh, a powerful portion of a gospel. May we know what you are calling us to do through your word. Then give us both grace and faith to do it and to do it with joy. We also pray for the sacrament. May the body and blood of Jesus ever strengthen us and empower us to obey your three great love commands. And now with one heart and one voice, we pray the simple words of the prayer Jesus taught us. And may some part of it convict us as we pray so that we too may be transformed more into your likeness. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now before we dig into God's word, which has uh, two miracles in it uh, that we saw today, many more of elsewhere, let's sing number 303, It Took a Miracle. Oh, 
I uh, reflected on the scriptures this week, a couple questions came to mind. What does it take for God to get our attention? And once he has our attention, how do we continue to walk with him, following after him where he leads with joyful thanksgiving? Now, our story this morning about the contest Elijah arranged on top of Mount Carmel between the true covenant God of Israel and the demon with much ambition who was called Lord, lowercase l, by the people, concludes with an eye-popping miracle. I hope you saw it when it was read. The people's Lord did nothing from morning to evening. Then God's prophet repaired his altar. He made a new one and arranged the sacrifice on the wood and poured 12 large jars of water over everything And it even filled a trench. Then Elijah prayed and asked God to send fire down to earth. The fire that fell consumed everything in an instant, even the water. God had his people's attention. But then, there's always a but then. Okay, the problem with the human condition is actually expressed in a line on a 1972 album by Jethro Tull. And the line goes, we will be geared to the ordinary rather than the exceptional. Now, I'm also paraphrasing something C.S. Lewis wrote in the same vein. And the question he asked is how can we ever get children away from playing in mud puddles on the street so we get to take them to the beach and they can see the sand and the ocean. We seem to be content to be doing the same ordinary things day after day after day. 
And I'm not just saying we, I'm saying me. It's easy to get into a rut. But we have two miracle stories today. Both show the amazing power of God who dwells in unapproachable light. That's one of my favorite phrases in scripture. So as we consider them, may God help us to be transformed in our hearts and in our minds so that we can live every moment in constant wonder and amazement at how awesome he is. And then that we can come to appreciate his life-giving, life-changing love. We need to really know that. It's so clearly demonstrated by what Jesus did on the cross on Good Friday. So now let's go to our stories this morning from Scripture. We'll start with 1 Kings and the Elijah story. After three years east of the Jordan River, and we saw the beginning of this last week, Elijah meets Ahab, and Elijah proposes a contest to determine if the people should go after, walk after, follow Yahweh or Baal. So the first half is after Elijah corrects Ahab, he requests Ahab to gather all Israel along with 450 prophets of Baal to decide who is the true God. And at the end of the first half, Baal does nothing. Zip, nada, zero, zilch. Let's take it line by line. Obadiah arranges for Ahab and Elijah to meet. Now, if you were to read the first verses of this chapter, Obadiah, whose name means servant of Yahweh, somehow he got to be Ahab's house manager. This is the same position that Joseph had with Potiphar in Egypt. And isn't it ironic? a person of God with a pagan boss. Now he had hidden 100 prophets from Jezebel, but Elijah was always disappearing and Ahab was getting mad with murderous intents. So he asked for Elijah, please assure me you will indeed meet with Ahab. I love Yahweh. And Elijah says, yes, of course. Then Ahab, this is interesting, he calls Elijah the troubler of Israel, and Elijah correctly turns this back on Ahab. So why would Ahab do this? Well, this is a tough truth, but we have to speak the truth. Sinners, most of the time, would rather attack God's messenger than actually repent and turn to God. That's what he's doing. And Elijah in vernacular says, no, Ahab, it's you. He says, Ahab and his father Amri have troubled Israel by forsaking Yahweh's commandments and going after these Baals. What were Baals? They were demons, 
storm gods named Lord, that's Baal in English, with a lowercase. And it's kind of interesting if you go back to Genesis and you look at the Hebrew, there was a time when Sarah sarcastically called Abraham Baal. Yes, Lord, I'll do what you want, my master. I'm your wife. Okay, he then asked Ahab to send for all Israel to gather on Mount Carmel with all the false prophets. Ahab does so. Why all Israel? Yahweh wants to use his prophet to turn the hearts of all of his people back to him. So we're told 450 Baal prophets and 400 Asherah prophets They gather on Mount Carmel or Mount Garden. That's what it would mean in English. Now, Asherah, the name means groves. In fact, as you heard this read in the King James, they didn't make it a proper name. They said 450 prophets of the groves. Now, she was supposed to give um, good fortune, okay, And she was the consort or shackup honey of Baal, the god of thunder. So they go together like a husband and wife. Then Elijah draws near after Ahab brings them all there and says, how long will you halt King James version between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, go after him. And if Baal, I, I am Yahweh's only prophet. Now, a better word for halt is to limp. We can picture that, somebody limping. And what's really going on here is the people of Israel were limping because they were trying to worship two gods, the true God and a false god. And you can't help but limp. So Elijah gives them a clear choice. Go after Yahweh or go after Baal. And later, Jesus would say the same thing. No one can serve two masters, God or not. So here's our application. That was way back then, you know, 750 B.C. or earlier. We... And I say, I first. We get limping between two opinions. We know something about the true God. But too often we get caught up in our ordinary existence on earth. So here's our challenge. Will we be led by the Holy Spirit to commit to always Walk after the true God that he may rise us up above our limited lives. Let us go after the true God. And again, he says, I alone am left. Well, that's interesting. Yes, I thought about this. He's probably the only prophet. But in the very next chapter, when he was about as low as he could go, Yahweh spoke to him gently and said, I still have 7,000 faithful people in Israel. So then he proposes this contest by fire 
between the gods, their gods, and Yahweh. So here's the rules of the contest. Pretty simple. Let them give two bulls, and they can choose the one they want to sacrifice. I'll take the other. But no fire. We cannot light a fire. It's not about us. You call on your gods. I call on Yahweh. And the God will answer by fire. And all the people, probably thousands of them gathered, said, the thing is good. All right, people, it's on. Let's do it. So Elijah lets them do their bull first. For they are many, and they do so. And they call on Baal. Now remember, this is from morning to noon, and we're told, no voice, no one answering. And then they limped, the same word that was used earlier, about the altar that they made. You see, this is what Israel was doing in their sins. They were limping around because they weren't going after Yahweh. And now, at noontime, Elijah starts to have some fun with them. Ignore that. He starts to have fun with them. He mocks them. He's derisive to them. And you know what? Again, not just them, but us. May we all see and never forget, it is futile to walk after anything less than the true God. And then he says, call in a big voice because he is a God, lowercase g. He's a demonic spirit. Oh, maybe he's talking or he stepped aside or he's on a journey. Perhaps he's sleeping and he'll be awakened. See, that's the thing about anyone that's not the true God. But the Bible tells us over and over again, the true God always has open ears. He's always present with us, and he's always awake. He will never sleep. Now, here's where it gets kind of gross. They cut themselves also. In afternoon time, they prophesy. That's the ecstatic utterances. Until the burnt offering. So what's going on here? They continue the big voice, but they cut themselves. And I looked up these words in a Bible dictionary. This is hard to take. Swords and spears until the blood gushes. You know, it's sick what we'll do if we're not worshiping the true God. And even after all of this that they did, an evening is coming on. No voice, no answer, no attention. And now the second half, as evening approaches, Elijah repairs Yahweh's altar, pours 12 large jars of water over the bull and the wood, and he prays a short prayer to Yahweh, Fire falls, consuming everything. Let's look at the details. Then Elijah told all the people to come near him. He repaired Yahweh's altar. He called and they came near. They were noticing what was happening all day. 
And then he repaired Yahweh's altar. Now, this word repair, even in the Old Testament and the New as well, it can also mean to heal. Now, who had thrown down that altar and broken it? None other than Ahab, the true troubler of Israel. And then he also took 12 stones, he built an altar, and made a trench around it. And we're told, plain as day, these stones represented the tribes from the 12 sons of Jacob, which name means supplanter. But God said, no, I'm going to change your name. You will be Israel, meaning God will prevail. And then he built this altar in Yahweh's name. And there was a trench around it. And Elijah did all of this in the name of the covenant God. And I looked this up online, but I trust I got the right answer. A couple of different sources said it. That trench could hold 10 gallons of water. That was just the overflow, okay? But you notice how Elijah built a new altar because God was about to do something new. May we be seeking to build altars of worship to God, and may we not just leave them there, but use them daily. Then Elijah properly put the wood on the altar and cut the bull in pieces, and then he put them, the pieces on the wood, Then three times he had four large jars filled with water and poured over everything. Now, he used so much water. You've got the cut up pieces of meat. You've got the wood. You've got the stones. You've got the trench. And the trench filled with water. Was this a waste of water? After three years of drought. No. No. He was commanded to do this. And the true God. Was going to make a dramatic miracle of fire. To get his people's attention. Now. I heard this from Dave Warren 17 years ago, and I think it's interesting. We're told that after the fire, a cloud rose from the sea, but also there was a cloud burst over Elijah, and they came together. These two sources that merged, could it have been, yes, the water from the sea with the cloud, but also... Those 12 large jars, which were evaporated up, could they have come back as rain? And it's another miracle. I just put it out there. I found it interesting when I first heard it. Then Elijah prayed to, the, to Yahweh, the Yahweh of the patriarchs. I won't name them all. Let it be known. You are God in Israel. I am your servant and have done all this at your Word. Now answer me, and this people will know you are the covenant God Yahweh, and you have turned their heart back again. So it's a short prayer, and he wants all Israel to know Yahweh is God. And then he twice requests an answer to his last prayer. What is that prayer? 
He wants the covenant God to turn the heart of the people back to him. You see, God is the first or the prime mover. And remember also what Jesus said in John's gospel. No one can come to him for forgiveness or salvation healing unless that person is drawn to Jesus by the Father. We need God to act. That's why he prayed it twice. Then the fire of Yahweh fell, consumed everything, even the trench water, and then all the people fell on their faces declaring, Yahweh, he is God. So this fire falls. This spectacular fire consumed the bull, the wood, the stones, and we're told the water that was in the trench was licked up. An awesome manifestation of God. One of the things about fire in scripture is fire manifests God's presence. And then we're told all, remember God's desire was to touch all his people. Having seen, they fall on their faces. So this is a physical act of worship with their bodies. And then they twice declare, Yahweh, he is God. By repeating their declaration, they're making a stronger testimony. So here's the bottom line of the Elijah story and miracle. These people, at least for some time, will no longer limp between the true God and the false gods and the false prophets of these gods. They are all declaring, let us go after the true God. Now we jump up to the Gospels. And we got a little miracle that we're told about, about Jesus. He took three apostles up a mountain. Seems like everything happens on a mountain. Where his form is changed. His clothes become exceedingly white. And who should show up but Elijah? He appears to them with Moses. And they're talking with Jesus. So in context, six days after Jesus first predicted his death and blew their minds, he takes Peter, James, and John up a high mountain, and his form is changed. Now, we talked about this Wednesday night. After predicting his death, Jesus is taking three apostles. This is what they call an historic present tense narrative. By putting it in the now, it draws us right into this ancient story with them. And oh yeah, by the way, the names here are from the oldest to the youngest. And this inner circle was a diverse group. Peter means rock. James is actually Jacob. And we've already said Jacob means the supplanter. And Yohanan in Hebrew We shorten it to John in English means Yahweh is gracious. These were the three that were with him. And he is leading them up to a high mountain for themselves alone. You see, it's important. Jesus knows they need to get away from the large crowd. So Elijah did it before thousands and thousands. 
Jesus before three. And he was changed in form in front of them. He was acted on from outside his human body. This metamorphosis, that's the Greek word that's translated. It happened, as I said, from outside. It's likely. I figure the Father and the Holy Spirit acted together on Jesus to do this transformation before their eyes. The verb is passive. Jesus didn't do this. Now, the inner three saw this miraculous change, this transformation. How long did it take to happen? How long did it last? We're not told, just that it happened. And then on top of that, his clothes became exceedingly whiter than bleached cloth, and Elijah appears to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So we're told his clothing became shining, exceedingly brilliant white. Mark just said there's not enough words in our human vocabulary to describe how white this was. Now, the noun of his clothing is plural, meaning whatever he was wearing. But the verb is singular, meaning this was one big miracle. How white? So that no professional bleacher, that's what a Fuller King James is, is able to bleach white. Again, this is what a miracle is all about. No earthly compound, no skilled worker could have done this. And then having appeared to them, Elijah with Moses. So Elijah was brought to them by God. It wasn't Elijah who decided to come down. It's another passive verb. And with him, Moses, you know, I thought about this. I think this is the only time Moses ever played second fiddle in scripture. I just finished reading Deuteronomy in my private devotionals within the last week. Read the last couple of paragraphs. It says no one ever was like Moses before or after. But he's playing second fiddle to Elijah here. But also, this is neat, and some of you have mentioned this to me. After 1,500 years, Moses is finally allowed to set foot in the promised land spoken of to Abraham. What a blessing. And they were continuously talking with Jesus. Now, it was a long talk. We don't know again how long. But Luke says they were talking about his exodus meaning the atoning death on the cross. Just as the first exodus was salvation to slavery in Egypt, the second exodus is salvation from our sins to be right with God. We must all commit to taking extended periods of time to be talking with the resurrected Jesus. This is what prayer is all about. So here's the bottom line before I wrap it up quickly. Let the story of the transformation of Jesus and the five people who shared it with him be our incentive to always go after 
the true God. Don't let anything get in the way. Let us go after the true God. You see, the true God does eye-popping, mind-blowing miracles so that people who are limping with two opinions may fully decide to always go after, walk after him and no one else, bowing to him in humble worship and declaring Yahweh, the three-in-one God, he is God. There is no other people. Let us go after the true God. I pray that he can change us so that it will be more and more common in our lives. Before we do uh, the sacrament of communion, let's sing the communion song number 260, Come Share the Lord. communion kits, uh, now is the time to do so. Looks like we're all set, so let's take our bulletin inserts and do our communion responsive reading. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. So come to the table, you who have much to give. 
You who have been here often, and you have not been for a long while, and you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed, come, come. it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Loving God, through your goodness, may we know your presence in the sharing, so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among all his community through this century and will share with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. And now before we partake, let us pray. Holy Lord God, by what we do here in remembrance of Christ, we celebrate his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension. We declare that he is Lord of all and we prepare for his coming kingdom. We pray through you. Holy Spirit, this bread may be for us the body of Christ and this cup, the blood of Christ. Accept our sacrifice of praise as we eat and drink at his command. Unite us to Christ as one body in him and give us strength to serve you in the world. And to you, one holy and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give praise and glory now and forever. Amen. And let us now partake of the bread and the cup. Amen. For our last song, let's sing number 154, Spirit of God, descend upon my heart, and let it be our prayer after all that we have gone through in worship this morning.
talk about fire has reminded me of Pentecost, and that's where we'll go for our benediction from Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice to them and declared, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will put forth my spirit upon all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even upon my bond slaves, both men and women. I will pour in those days my spirit and they shall prophesy And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And when that day comes, it will be too late. That's why we need to be filled with God's spirit and his love, and all that he is, and sharing him, so no one will miss out on that day. And I know it's been said for 2,000 years, but it could happen at any moment. So let us always be walking after the true God, not taking any breaks, not getting distracted, but enjoying his life-giving, life-changing love. Amen. And now let's sing number 61, Glorify Thy Name. 